Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti slut shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fuck. It's the anti-slut shaming podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. Uh, and today's episode is brought to you by Replay. It's a comedy web series produced by New Form Digital. The show follows Allison Lee, an aspiring DJ who gets more than she wishes for when she's stuck repeating her disastrous 25th birthday Ooh. party over and over again. Oh, no. You guys can watch this show on Go90. It's a free mobile entertainment app. Uh, to watch the first episode, you can go to www.replayseries.com. And then new episodes come out every Wednesday only on the Go. 90 app available on ios and android phones in the u.s oh yeah also come see us live uh tonight it's may 13th it's friday uh come see nacho bitches at 11 p.m at new york comedy club co-hosted by myself and blair saki tickets are ten dollars with the code nacho Nashville, Tennessee. Corinne and I will be inside you on Saturday, May 21st as part of the Wild West Comedy Festival. We're bringing the Guys We Fucked touring show to your town. It's going to be at Zany's Comedy Club in Nashville. Tickets are 22 bucks, and there's a link to purchase in the description of this episode. And that show is at 11 p.m. And then we'll be back in New York City Monday, May 23rd at 8 p.m. for the Guys We Fucked test tour dates that are happening at Subculture. Standing room tickets only are available for that night but if you want to sit down you can buy tickets <laughs> to monday june 20th show and again uh doors are at seven show is at eight it's really fun and we need your help to kind of get the show going yeah come out for a good time and then if you're still in new york city saturday may 28th wendy starling and i are co-hosting the our one year anniversary actually of glamour puss at zinc bar uh shows at 7 30 doors at 7 it's gonna be a wild night and there will be titties and these are not our only dates. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Go to our social media because there's other dates. Maybe like things yeah, in the Midwest. The uh, Instagram Ooh. is Philanthropy Gal, Christina Hutch, and Sorry About Last Night. Same on Twitter. Ahem, ahem, go there. Yeah, we have a lot of other dates, guys. So check them out. Um, did you have a good weekend? I did. What did you do? Oh, well, huh. My mom experiment. I was supposed to see my mom for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. She had experimented with a new natural sleep aid she found at Costco. Didn't go too well for her. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, so she called me and she goes, I'm really tired. Can you come next week or another time? Um, and I was like, yeah, shit, that sucks. I'm so sorry. We were like ready to leave the house in Stephen's van. And so I was like, oh, my mom took a sleeping pill the night before. Didn't go so well for her. So she wants us to come another time. Mm. So. So you want to go to a random town upstate and play pinball and go to strip clubs? And he was like, yes, I do. And I was like, fuck yeah. So that's what we ended up doing. We, um, he found this record store slash vape shop slash pinball arcade. This was on Sunday or Saturday? This was on Saturday okay. in, in Middletown, New York. Mm -hmm. And then as we were done there, we were looking up strip clubs because I wanted to get a hotel because mm -hmm. we, because our roommate was here for the weekend and I just having sex in a hotel is just, it's more it's comfortable. Better. It's better. Yeah. I don't have to worry about being loud. So I really wanted one of those like sexcapade weekends. I haven't had that in a really long time. So I'm really excited. Found a hotel, found the dopest strip club in a 
40 mile radius. There was a bunch. And then as we went to the Bank of America ATM so that he can get cash out, um, he rolls down the window and he hears the sound of like race cars. And I'm like, I think that's an airport. And he goes, no, I think that's like racing. And he's like, let's go. So we went to this racetrack and watched race cars go around a three quarter mile dirt track with a monk's like camo jacket wearing, mm. cigarette smoking, redneck people and it was like you know i have some redneck roots in me because right. i used to go to nascar races and do that like tailgating shit uh-huh. and it was kind of nice it was really we got so fucking dirty though because it was a dirt track and so then we're like well we could, let's go to the strip club now so we go to a hotel i shower all the dirt off from the racetrack and we go to the strip club we pull in and it looks huge it was called mansion and it's outside the the sign that says mansion and it says trump make america great again i'm like oh man this is gonna suck and so we went in we were debating going in and i was like no we're gonna go in i would if it said trump it would make me think it was like the best like for a strip club I think it would be better. I don't know. I just, I got a weird, I got, it was great. But that's the moral of the story. It didn't suck at all. But when I went in and I showed the guy my ID, he saw my military ID and he goes, oh, you're military? And like, I got in for free. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but there's a military base in the area. That's Mm. probably why they're Trump people because they're Republicans. So, because that confused me because the strip club was awesome. Mm -hmm. I have not, this was probably one of my favorite strip club experiences. The girls it kind of sucked because the stage was uh, above the bar, far away. You could not touch mm. nothing. But the fucking asses in on these chicks were like a mind blowing. Just like beautiful girls, they were having a really good time. And uh, we we always go to strip clubs. Like this is either going to be the worst thing or the best thing. And it was amazing. And then I went to go get a drink, and I was like, you know, we should get a lap dance from one of the girls. Like who do you want kind Mm -hmm. of thing and I go back I go to get a drink I come back and there's a girl in my seat and she's like this beautiful young girl in this you know lingerie black lingerie get up and Stephen was like oh she was just telling me like the prices and stuff we should totally get a lap dance from her I was like cool she stands up I go oh my god did you work at the Apple store in Soho seven years ago she goes (laughs) yeah and I was like hey girl it's Christina she goes oh hey I'm like how you doing and you look great you look great she did she looked Mm. great and it was so awkward but then we went and got the lap dance but she danced on him and uh but it was she was so serious Mm -hmm. she looked like she was performing surgery but she was giving a pretty great lap dance but her face and her body didn't match it was weird and then um and then we got another one from this random chick that was just at the bar by herself dancing on the stool. And we're like, yeah, you want to, can you give us a lap dance? That was really fun. And whenever I do this thing, where whenever we go to strip clubs and we go back and we have sex that night, I move my body like a stripper. Mm-hmm. And he like pointed it out. He's like, God, you, you're moving like you're fucking on showgirls or something. I'm like, yeah, I know. I does inspiring. Yeah. It was inspiring to see women dance hot. And then we had, I was the first time and I would say, over a year probably that I we had sex but like full on no time restrictions no noise restrictions no restrictions of any kind sex like I let him meet me out for a very long time which he likes doing and I'm just like come on let's uh, wrap the show up I gotta go or I gotta go to bed or I'm tired or there's always oh, really? something mm-hmm. there's always something interrupting it or or my roommate comes home or something um so it was really nice it was just a nice sexy getaway weekend <laughs> Saw a stripper I knew. That's the third time that's happened to me at a random strip the club. The third time? Mm-hmm. Pumps was the first time. Wow. And then it was there was one in Pennsylvania that I was like, oh my God, we went to high school together. 
I know people who are strippers. I don't think I've ever accidentally. I don't really frequent strip clubs, so I guess so. Well, this strip club had a um, steakhouse attached to it. Many it's, do. The food looked good. Many do. Speaking of food, you guys uh, know about Blue Apron? Uh, Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. I have gotten Blue Apron. I used to have a subscription to Blue Apron ages ago because my friend, my, one of my coworkers, gave me a free trial. And it is fucking awesome. You learn how to cook. They only give you the exact ingredients that you need for the recipe, so you're not throwing away food, which is great. And they, they ship for free to your door. In, it comes in this giant refrigerated box. It's so fucking cool. It's really fun. Um, you can customize your recipes every week based on your dietary preferences. If you don't like meat or if you like a lot of fish or whatever you want. And each uh, box comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe guard. So check out this week's menu and get you can get two free meals with free shipping if you go to blueapron.com slash GWF. That is blueapron.com slash GWF. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. Yeah, I actually made crispy cod tacos this uh, Ooh, weekend, really? and it looked exactly like the photo on the card. And I was like, are you fucking <sighs> kidding you. me right now? Good for you. Uh, what else we're not kidding you about? Uh, this next sponsor, <laughs> it's Me Undies. We talked about them before. Guys, they're super comfortable. Every pair of Me Undies is made uh, from sustainably sourced modal, a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. It's true. And we know because we touched it and we wore it and it was on our vaginas. Uh, nothing can describe the fit and feel of Me Undies. Well, I kind of just did, but I feel like just try them on and you'll understand why it's called the world's most comfortable underwear. If you don't love your first pair of me undies, they're free. No questions asked. They'll just take them back. Even if there's stains on them, I added that part. Uh, they have dozens of styles and limited edition prints. Like, oh, there's a splash print that they just released. It's really, really awesome. Um, so make a statement with your underwear, uh, whether anyone can see them or not. Uh, remember Superman <laughs> I love that copy oh yeah because um, he wears his underwear outside his clothes That's, I was like why did they put that in there oh yeah okay I'm ex- I just got it now oh god shipping is free to any US and Canada resident go to meundies.com backslash GWF for 20% off your first order seriously they're pretty cool yeah they're really soft oh I love the bikini cut okay we're gonna read a couple emails before we introduce our guests for this week um if you want to email us it's sorry about last night show at gmail.com the first email the subject line is autistic guy having girl troubles hi guys I love your podcast listen every week and I thought I'd write in to get your advice I'm on the autistic spectrum albeit extremely high functioning and although I have I actually have hooked up with girls on dates fairly often in the past and enjoyed it I've never had a girlfriend at 24 and find this a bit depressing it's hard for me to make romantic connections and the last and only time i did fall in love she'd been married very young and didn't want a commitment bad timing on both our parts i've been doing online dating but never know what to message with so it's hard getting out there with that and my missing subtle social cues what i'm asking is is there any way to flirt and to ask women out that isn't creepy or obtrusive how would you want to be treated i grew up with strong women and i think cat calling slash nice guy behavior is repulsive nice guy behavior is repulsive but i'm never sure how to approach someone on a train or in a bar without feeling like i'm being a creep any advice you could give would be really appreciated thanks uh 20 something aspie 20 something yeah like asperger's oh is that like a the the 
shortened. Asperger's lingo. is like a less, uh, it's, it's a form of autism. Right. But Aspie is like short for us. Yeah. I think, it, oh. I mean, I don't, I don't I think, I think maybe you probably have to have it to refer to right. yourself as right i wouldn't be like yo this aspy friend of mine <laughs> yeah because that's like rude and shit yeah. yeah i would say um you seem like such a sweet guy from your email i don't i couldn't imagine you being creepy although i'm only judging you from a couple words that you wrote to us i would i don't like getting hit on um while i'm on a train i was gonna say never a person don't, on don't, a train <laughs> a bar a bar is an okay place but i think Online dating is cool because if you want to get in an online dating, the first thing to message somebody is whatever you th- interests you about that person's profile. And I would get really specific. Um, I personally like to get to know a, per- uh, a a guy in person. So I'm very cut to the chase. Like, hey, how are you free this night? Let's get to know each other over dinner. Um, but uh, through my experiences on a three-way dating app with Steven, I really like the way he communicates because he just he usually starts out with something like, hey, you seem like a really fun person. I would love to get to know you, blah, blah, blah. It's a standard line, but it's not creepy and it's very endearing. And then just pick something really specific out from their profile that you genuinely find interesting and they'll want to talk to you about it. Um, yeah, don't hit on people in bars or on, on in trains because I feel like no one wants to be bothered. Um, you might, I might be wrong, but uh, but a bar is a more appropriate place. And I don't know. I'm, pickup lines that I've had one of my favorite pickup lines was when I was at a restaurant um at a at a networking event and this waiter was slamming hot I left my jacket went back in to get it and as I was leaving he goes have dinner with me and I was like oh yeah but would I have worked if he was ugly nope yeah <laughs> so but he had the confidence of a hot person and he was pretty hot right well he was hot yeah so I, mean, I, I don't know you might be attractive you might not be i have no idea but you, you probably have a general sense yeah have confidence without being like over the top and i mean i think just be interesting which is easier said than done but you know if you're gonna talk to someone in a bar like have something to say after hello like have a fucking plan in order like yeah. how you're gonna handle well, what are lines that you hate hearing at bars like i, I mean I, I truly hate when I knew because I don't I am never someone who's going to a bar to to meet up with to, yeah I would never do that up. so it's I mean I've had people who try to hit on me and then end up talking to them and it was totally fine and I enjoy the conversation but truly have something interesting to say yeah I mean you have to be smart and interesting to have those things to say though mm-hmm. or just fucking have read a book or something or read a news story and then just tell me about it yeah like, just make it worthwhile mm-hmm because if nothing, even if nothing comes out of it, you both get an interesting conversation. Yeah, that's fine. That's not going to bother me. No problem at all. Um, this second email is, how do you tell the Tinder guy who ended things that you are pregnant? Uh, Oops. So recently I found out that I am pregnant and I am freaking out. <laughs> I would say uh, earlier last month, this guy who I had been on and off seeing told me that he wanted to stop things and proceeded to delete me on all social media. Do I even have to say something? And what the fuck is the protocol for this? I have weighed my options and I w- don't want to have an abortion. I would rather give the baby up for adoption. But I mean, I don't have the right to just keep this to myself question mark this guy didn't hurt me but i feel that this is my body i did everything right i took my birth control the same time every day Mm. and it worked every time before we had sex and i got my period like clockwork after every time I didn't even use the birth control with the other guys alone. I used a condom. I just don't understand why me and why now. What should I do? I am only 19 and I was careful. So careful. No one's saying uh, that you weren't careful, my darling. And no one's saying that you did anything wrong. Uh, uh, Birth control is not 100% effective. There is no birth control that is 100% effective except for abstinence. And a vasectomy. 
Um, That's what I remember Dr. Prine said. The only thing a guy can do, which is can be like completely effective is a vasectomy. Yes, that's intense. (laughs) Yeah. And and also like you're on a relationship like this is like just for you. So, you, yeah, you did everything right. And something still went wrong. Ugh, thus it's life. In that life, in that life, kid. Um, So you've already made the decision to put the baby up for adoption. uh, And so I'm not going to try to steer you in a different direction on that. Um, but if this baby is going to exist in the world, yeah, you got to tell yeah. the guy that he has a baby. You can't just, it is a hundred percent your body. And I would say if you were getting an abortion, you would a hundred percent wouldn't have to tell him, but this is a child that's going to exist on the planet. And one day that child might want to know who his mother and father is yeah. his or her mother and father it's, is. It's not as much as, you know, you don't have a relationship with this person and, you know, he did you wrong by deleting you on social media that's the child is the one who's going to suffer here you absolutely have to tell him if you're keeping the child that he has a child who's going to be walking around the planet who is his 100 percent. yeah you should tell him hopefully he still have his number hopefully it wasn't just social media and then he blocked you and you're like well i tried to tell you i had a kid but you had to go fucking block me on facebook yeah i mean do whatever you can (laughs) oh it's rough but you know he should know and Sorry that the uh, sorry that that situation is happening, but it's going to be okay. Uh, such is life. The next uh, email, the subject line is my 11 year old constantly jerks off. <laughs> hey, ladies, love the show. A little background. I am a dad of two boys, stepdad of two others. My 11 year old stepson is always rubbing one out. There's no attempt to hide it whatsoever. His bedroom door is glass. He can be in the middle of playing a Lego game or on the PlayStation and bam, out comes his little cock. What the hell? His poor mother has caught him dozens of times. Yesterday, we caught him out in the backyard shaking hands with the governor. His response? Sorry. Okay, I was 11. I jerked off. Still do. But in my 40s, not once have I been caught. What do we do here? We want, we don't want him to feel ashamed or like it's wrong, but I'm tired of sleep of seeing his little pecker thanks keep up the great show i think uh you should definitely have that conversation of hey what you're doing is your your i don't know if he is aware of the rhetoric of masturbating and bone and erection and penis and all that stuff i'm sure he does but just say this is something that is totally fine to do for your pleasure but is a private thing so if you do want to masturbate just make sure you are in a private place preferably at home you don't i feel like you can get in trouble jerking off in school i could be wrong but probably could but he needs to know that that's something it's a private thing and i don't think that's shaming him um it's just that masturbating is private and it's wonderful and it's fun and it's cool um and also i hope he doesn't like shave his penis good god well yeah and also just like you think you can talk to when it was a child this small you could talk to them about it much like things that are going on in the bathroom like peeing or taking shit neither of those things are shameful right but you're not going to take a shit in the middle of the kitchen yeah so (laughs) very true you know i think you have to just think of ways that 11 year old is going to understand it obviously say poop not shit um (laughs) although i did love the amount of words that you use for uh, masturbating and penis in this. this yeah, there's a lot of good metaphors. Just you're you're the Truman Capote of masturbation writing. Um, but yeah, just talk about it in words that he can understand. And I think it's really great. You have the good idea on in your head that it's not shameful because it's certainly not. But and also just like hygienic. It's not hygienic. Just masturbate anywhere. You should be washing your hands after it. Like there's there's you, yeah, you don't want protocols you don't to want, keep yourself safe you don't want just semen everywhere that's not good for anyone yeah and you know you don't want him jerking off at school or jerking off at the doctors or jerking off at the supermarket because like, you know he's got to know that that's a private thing that's really awesome and fun for private time 
Maybe maybe uh, put a sh- curtain over his glass door too. Yeah, well, that's a weird door. Yeah. that's on you. Is he is he living in the deck or something? Is he yeah. living in the sunroom? Yeah, and I, give him a room. I truly think it is. It's very important that especially by you know nine, ten, eleven, you have a bedroom that is yours where you can close the door if you are in a financial position to do have your own bedroom. I think that's so important to kids to have a space where you can go in, you can close the door, and you can do your own thing. Yeah, so important totally so hope that helps dad okay our guest this episode um this is we met her she is a fucker she's a she listens to the guys we fuck podcast she came out to uh, a glamour push show that i had in february that was on my birthday we had an after party she came to that i met her and her friend they were really fucking sweet i was a little drunk so i wasn't exactly registering everything she said but she was talking about uh, a few subjects one of them being uh, her studies in africa about genital mutilation and i was really interested in it Steven, my boyfriend, is also joining us on this episode because he has been to Uganda where um, our guest is from, where her family is from, and has a very unique perspective um, on the country from his experiences in the country. Um, So he's going to be joining us. Um, We're really excited for you to hear this interview. She's a very smart young lady. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Luantale Kalamara. Take me back into the dark and you see this flame was already off to a God real white it. start yeah <laughs> um so we met you you yeah. came to the glamour puss uh show on my birthday and to the after party at fat black pussycat yes I and you're with your friend and you were telling me stories about well i think she was like she knows all about genital mutilation female genital mutilation in africa right, and i was really, drunk yeah. and i was like steven she's been africa i gotta go guys i uh, hope you have a good time connecting <laughs> Um, and it's, oh, Steven is also here. Hi, Steven. Hi. (laughs) And you guys kind of hit it off because, um, Steven talked about his experiences in Uganda, which is where you're, you weren't born in Uganda, correct? Your your parents were? Yes. I was born in the Bay Area in California, but my family's from Uganda. Okay. And then why did they leave uh, Uganda? Um, well, it was during the time of Idi Amin's regime, and so um, in order for ha- for them to have like a better life and better opportunities, they had the opportunity to leave Uganda. So um, my mom first went to England, then she came to America, and my dad came 
uh, went to Ethiopia and then he came to America. And where did they meet? They met in a, at a party in Sacramento. <laughs> it was like a party for like um, the Ugandans in the area. Oh, so. okay. So it wasn't just happenstance that two, a man and a woman from Uganda were no. there. It was a Ugandan Like, you know, a get-together Oh, okay. Yeah. And they got married quickly after the um, meeting? Yeah. Um, well, they did. Uh, my mom saw my dad at the party. From This is what they told me, yeah. And so they kind of hit it off. Then um, my mom went back to L.A. and was, like, with her with her then-person. But then, like, <laughs> she she and my dad really hit it off. And so at some point, my dad, like, got his RV, like, the hippie van, oh. and drove it from San Francisco, the Bay Area, to L.A., told my mom to get all her stuff. She put it in the van, and then they, like, traveled around the U.S. Yeah, stopped so off romantic. in Arizona and got married there and that's amazing how many yeah. siblings do you have is it just you no unfortunately i'm kidding um, <laughs> i have Bitch um, sisters <laughs> just one no i'm kidding i love her too so much um she's my older sister <laughs> she's 29 years old and um she lives in dc and then i have my brother and he's 10 okay cool. and he lives in uganda with my mom and how are your parents did they give you any sort of like how are they about sex? Did they talk um, to you about it, or was it a the subject you guys don't really touch when you're together? Um, they don't really talk about it. It's it's there, but like we just don't we just don't talk about it. <laughs> um, you know, you did the whole birth control, but then that was like very just like let, let's just do it and then not let let's not focus on it when it's done. Did like, they tell get yeah, birth control and then not no, talk about it? I, I told my mother, like, you know, right. I should get birth control. Right. And I actually told her, don't tell my dad. Uh-huh. Because I thought it would be, like, a really awkward thing, like, an awkward conversation to have. But, you know, I guess she told him either way. But, like, nobody really just came out and was like, oh, so you got birth control. But, like, they... <laughs> Yeah, they, my mom allowed it to happen and stuff, but it's very... Uh, You're like, Mom, I'm fucking. I don't want to get pregnant. I know. Well, how old were you when you started birth control? Um, I started birth control when I was 19 or 20. Okay, so I mean, at I that point, you, my, don't, you don't need your parents. Um, well, I was on their insurance. And stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> they would have found out. Yeah. Where were you living? I was living in Beijing at the time. Is that what, and that's where you lost your virginity? Yeah, so I lost my virginity. <laughs> hey, guys. Wait, why, why were you in... In Beijing? Through, yeah, like, how do you wind up in Beijing? All right, so, well, now I have to tell you about my kind of semi-life story in order to talk yeah, about when I lost it. my virginity, guys. Is okay. That okay, that's totally cool. All right, cool. so um, when I was 14, my parents, um, they took me, sent me to boarding school in Kenya. It was like a British boarding school. And um, I kind of wanted to go because, like, I loved Harry Potter. And so I thought I was going to be like that. Like, I was going to wear my blazer, get on the train, like, be part of Hufflepuff and everything. <laughs> Shout out to all my Hufflepuff people. Um, so, yeah. Um, so when I got there, like, it was a lot of culture shock and stuff, but I loved it. And then um, uh, in the British system, they do five years for high school. So I did three years in Kenya. Then I moved to Spain for two years for, like, my last two years of high school. And... Um, I went to Spain because um, I really wanted to learn about the language and I had a fascination of anthropology and I found I felt I was like a little anthropologist because I was uprooted from my life in California, moved to Kenya, like learned a bit of Swahili and understood life there. And then I moved to Spain and then like I was learning this whole other language and immersed in another culture. And so, yeah. And so I did that for two years. It was difficult, but, you know. How many languages do you speak? I speak four. Damn. But, like, 
I'm more better, more better. See, <laughs> English sucks. No, See, but I say that kind of thing too, and I only know one language, so English is a tricky, tricky. It is thing. right. Okay, okay, I feel better about <laughs> fucking up words all the time. Yeah, um, English, uh, Spanish, uh, a little bit, but because I learned Chinese afterwards, and then uh, my mother tongue, Luganda, in in Uganda. Damn. Yeah. So when did you, after you graduated high school, what happened? So when I was in high school, I, I kind of failed, like low key failed. So like, I couldn't, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud to the world, but I did. And so I couldn't like immediately go to like college. So I was like, I have to do something. And so I found like a gap year, um, situation whereby I could be a teacher's assistant at the British school Beijing and the school that I went to was the British school Madrid. So yeah. Damn. So I applied for that and I got in. And so I did my gap year as a teacher's assistant at the Braille School of Beijing for a year. And then I loved China and everything was great. And then I found a university in Shanghai and I, I went there for two years. And then I transferred to my current university, which is Long Island University Global College. <laughs> Did yes. they pay you to say that? No, I went to Spain, I went to Beijing, and now I'm in Long Island. <laughs> Yeah, so how does Long Island compare to Beijing? <laughs> so now, the thing about my school, Long Island University, Global College, that's the last time I'm going to say it like that. Just it's, right. um, it's a global college, so um, it's like one of its kind. So the students, they spend three and a half years um, studying all over all over the world, like in our different centers, in Costa Rica, India, China, Australia. And then their last year, the first half of the year, they do like research, like they wherever they want Mm -hmm. and then the last semester which is what i'm in you write your thesis so um my thesis is on like female genital mutilation in uganda so i did it during my last year of university okay so before we dive into female genital mutilation which you know more about than anybody i've ever spoken to um let's go back to beijing yeah so beijing so when i was 18 um you know i I was getting all (laughs) I was getting paid, and you know, I it was a really interesting, um, interesting part of my life because I had been going to boarding school, and like someone was always on my ass about something about like doing things, and so I kind of became really independent in the form of like getting paid and like paying for bills, and you know partying and knowing when to stop and all of that yeah. and so like one day when I was partying through I was, I was wearing like jeans and a t-shirt I wasn't even looking cute or anything <laughs> I just kind of got really drunk and ended up doing the do doing the do yeah in the bathroom that's what they say about Mountain Dew but that's oh, also what oh. you say about fucking yeah huh? doing the do so you saw what was it a guy from Beijing no I think it was he was from Angola Where's, is that in? Yeah, it's in in Africa. Okay, I was going to say, is this in Africa? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, but like, it was just like a random thing. And I, like all of my other friends, they had done it. And like, I was like, man, I'm like 18. I should rather just get it over and done with. And how was it? It was horrible. Yeah. (laughs) It was really, really bad. What was bad about it? Like seeing the thing, like the penis just (laughs) just there. Did it scare you? It scared me. It, it, It was just... 
It was so awkward. Was that your first time seeing a penis in real life? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it was just all the first that one time. Yeah. I was really intoxicated as well, and so I just didn't know what was going on. Was he intoxicated as well? Yeah. I mean... I hope he was. Well, me too. <laughs> I was, I was like, me too. Sometimes it's hard to keep really it up when you're intoxicated. Yeah, no, it was up. It was up? It was, up? <laughs> yeah. okay. it was there. It was there. Yeah. So you remember enough. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. Oh, okay. You wish you remembered that, less. <laughs> the image of that dick is just forever engraved it's in your psyche. Yeah. yeah. This That's is someone like you keep in contact with. Do you know? Do you know his no. last name or no? no. All right. Well, no, that's kind of that, fun. Yeah, it's fun. I guess. <laughs> I tell myself. Did that, it? No. Did it? Did a part? Was a part of you a little relieved to kind of like rip the bandaid off? Yeah. Like, I'm not a virgin anymore. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I don't know. I it does weigh on young women. I feel it does, and. I ripped the band-aid, but, like, I feel that everyone else's story was so sweet. Like, oh, I was with my boyfriend, or I did it in the back of the car, or blah, blah, blah. You know, and sweet some, stories like yeah. car, car backseat love. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's that's not a real love. toilet oh, I, think you're, I, I think you're yeah. just letting other people's stories sound better. I don't yeah. think yours was any better or worse than backseat car. <laughs> They're usually all equally awkward. I've done it a lot in the back of a van with my second boyfriend. And it was, I mean, it was cute because we like had Coldplay in the background See? and shit. But a nice I mean, soundtrack. I also did it in, <laughs> I've also done it in bathrooms at bars. And I'm like, that's cool too. Was it difficult to date because you were traveling so much? Or oh, That's a great question. Yeah, it was, I guess. it. I just kind of did what I have to do and then moved on. Like, I, I'm not really like the attached a person who attaches on the person because I know I'm always going to go away. But I was like that until I actually found someone that I actually cared about. When was that? That, was in that wasn't. Okay. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, wasn't that same dick yeah, in the bathroom. No, it wasn't. No. Yeah. But he was. He's equally a dick now. No. Oh, <laughs> no. Talk is shade. Yes, what happened? No, he knows that he didn't do a good thing. But um, yeah, I was with him for two years. This is when I was in university in Shanghai. Um, he went to a university next to mine. And like he was like my best friend. He was my mm-hmm. everything. And we grew together. And I guess we grew too much together. And like we were each other's people. And yeah. like I guess that gets annoying after a while. I don't know. And so like, yeah, we fought. He said he didn't love me anymore. And then packed up my things and left. Oh, have you talked to him since? Yeah, yeah, it actually happened a year ago. What does he say to you still? Like, do you like, guys just do I'm small sorry. Talk? Yeah, a lot of I'm sorry. That's a little yeah, late for that. Well, yeah. so um, let's get into why. Oh, do you have a question? <laughs> no. <laughs> if you do, it's, it's fine. No, I'm like, you're young, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. Um, why why did you want to spend so much time working on female genital mutilation like and having that be the topic of your thesis and then can you go into the four different types yes all that good stuff Alrighty. so um i first wanted to do my thesis on um the mosuo tribe in china so they're um a a tribe that is like a matriarchal they have a matriarchal society so the women are heads of the society and I Hell thought yeah. yeah and I thought but was, they're cutting clits off in that no 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 oh, they're God, not no, no no so <laughs> I that's what I wanted to do like I wanted to go there and live there and like kind of learn their language and like my thesis was like going to be about how there's like domestic violence in this society because I guess we always think that domestic or we always perceive domestic violence to happen in a patriarchal society a male dominant society so I thought oh what will happen if it's in a matriarchal society so then I told my professors and they're like no you can't go there because you don't know the language and blah 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 blah. and there are all all these other issues and so I cried to my mom and she was like you know what um 
you should do female genital mutilation because my sister, who is in Washington, D.C., she was like volunteering with this organization in Washington, D.C. that deals, like they talk with women, victims of female genital mutilation, yeah? And mm. so um, she was doing some social work stuff there. And so she told my mom and my mom told me that, yo, you should think about, you know, doing this. And so I'm like, okay, fine. And so like, I just Googled it I had no idea what it was, to be honest. Like, I knew things were cut, but I didn't really know the brevity of the situation. And so when I saw it, I was like, holy shit, like, this is real issues. And, like, I really want to know more about it. And, like, I told my mom this, and she was like, yeah, oh, yeah, we also do our own thing in Uganda. Oh, well, in Buganda, in our Buganda tribe. And then this is um, female genital modification and whereby we elongate our labia minora. And I had no idea about that before. Did she get that done, your can, mom? Can you explain? Yes. Uh, I'm curious. Can you just kind of explain yeah. for Americans, when you say Buganda and, and Uganda, Uganda yeah. and then Buganda tribe, yeah. I don't think we have a perspective of yeah, tribes okay, or any. All righty. So Uganda is a country. And within <laughs> this country, um, there are many um, different tribes. And so within a tribe, they have possibly a language or many different dialects of a language. They have their own cultures. Sometimes they have their own customs, um, clothing. So it's like little groups within an uh, entire country. So Buganda is the largest tribe within Uganda. And so... And that's the tribe that's you're the in. one I am from, yes. Okay. And do the tribes get along for the most part, or is there a lot of problems amongst them? Um, so far, to date, yes, right now, we are, we are getting along. Yes, mm-hmm. we're fine. Most of the issues stem from, like, political. We have political, slight political instability in Uganda at the moment. Mm-hmm. But in terms of tribes, we're, we're okay. And Stephen was mentioning, least. I think you, and you told this, me this too, mm-hmm. They speak different dialects in the tribes. Yes. So, so in, it's hard to communicate to yeah. each other if you're in a different tribe. In different regions. Um, if if they're tribes and they live like farther away from each other, but still in the same region, they could have changes in their dialect as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And that was such a wild thing for yeah. me to understand as an American that just kind of randomly found myself in Uganda. Those, we would go from one village literally down the road 15 miles and the translator would just be like i don't i don't know what you guys are saying. <laughs> yeah you guys are on your own it's 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 pretty crazy yeah yeah and so um why i did fgm so um my so i learned about everything and so i started um reading more about it and so i realized that that there's four types so the first type is clitoridectomy Um, that's when they cut the clitoris and the clitoral hood Uh, type two is when they cut um the clitoris clitoral hood and the labia minora so that's the inner lips and then the third type is um infibulation is when they remove um the labia minora labia majora and the clitoris and the clitoral hood, and then they stitch it together, leaving um, just a small hole for menstruation and urinating. And you can't have sex with that. With um, that well, you can't. You can't have sex. They do deinfibulation, so they cut um, where if if it's um, scarred over, they cut, and um, an an in order to allow the women to have sexual intercourse. So. Um, it's it's a gruesome practice and unfortunately in the region that i um i 
did my research in, which was in the Eastern region. I was studying the Sabae um, ethnic group. Um, women do this as a rite of passage. And uh, many... Into womanhood? Uh, yes, into womanhood, yeah. Take, so mm. it's like a quote-unquote quote, pass, passport in order for women to um, be married. And now when you're talking to the women about this, like, did they seem like they were just kind of passing on traditions like verbally like do they seem into it what or was it is it something like oh grandma's lasagna recipe gets passed down every thanksgiving oh you get female get your clitoris uh cut off in order to get married like it's it's comparable to a bris you know and we we do celebrate male circumcision in america yeah yes i feel it's more more like um the, the bris. The bar mitzvah. The bar mitzvah. So it's celebrated. It's, it is celebrated, yes. They have about um, four-day celebration. Um, it's very tight. It's tied into um, spirituality as mm-hmm. well. And that's one thing we have to remember when we talk about this. Um, when it's passed down, it's it's not just you get your clit cut off and all of this and then you're done. No, you are you also learn certain things that make you a woman in this in this. Um, uh, culture. Yeah. What, what are some things? Yeah. Um, that's one of the things that they're not allowed to tell you. They say oh. that it's sacred, and if they do tell you, there are repercussions to them. You could go. And crazy. who made up you those could, rules? Um, ancestors. It's passed You're talking down about from tribal yeah. history this, at that point. Yeah, it's very, very, very sacred things. And I know we could sit here and um, say it's it's horrible and all of this and it is i'm not saying that it isn't but we have to understand that it's it's someone's culture yeah as well and so when we're thinking about things that have to um things that have to play in part to eradicate this practice we have to try to like um, change people's mindsets and, and get into those cultural yeah, roots of yeah. why they because if they're so it seems like a lot of women in uganda are associating genital mutilation with with a great it's it's a good thing yeah it's a thing that it's like the stage of their life do you know women didn't you say you had friends that were considering getting it um, or kind of excited well, that's to, more type four oh yeah did you get to no, type no, no. no we're yeah. still talking about type three oh, okay. so type three and then so type we'll four that. is um uh, female genital modification, and so that is any type of pick pricking, um, stretching of the any part of a woman's genitalia, and then this is the one that we do in my culture in Uganda, and we do this. Um, it, it happens when a girl is young during like her preteen ages. She goes to mm. a um, a traditional doctor and. They have herbs, and they elongate it over a period of time. Um, it's a very painful process, but um, from from what I've heard from my fam, some family members, you know, it it increases women's sexual pleasure. Oh. Possibly, that's what they say. Well, if, and, if but, the only thing you're doing is stretching yeah. the vaginal lips, yeah, I mean. I can't see why it would take away from pleasure unless there's nerve damage done while the actual stretching. And your you said your mother yes, had that my done. Mother has it done, yeah. And she did she say anything about the sexual pleasure? Um, she told me that there is no benefits to it when I oh, spoke okay. with her. But, Interesting. Um, speaking with other family members, they say that. That's something. Did you ever have a moment where you you considered yes. having that done? That's a great question. Yes, I did. Um, when I first went to Uganda and I started talking to people about FGM and about the ones especially pertaining to my culture 
I spoke to other Muganda women. I'm like, oh, so what is this? Like, what does it mean? And they're like, oh, yeah, this is what it means to be a Muganda woman. And mm. like, I always have a slight issue or not an issue or an identity issue, let's say, about um, where I fall. So am I an American girl or am I a Ugandan woman or, or am mm. I a Buganda, a Muganda woman? You, you could be an American woman. Yeah. <laughs> I, but the beauty of it is I'm all of these things. And at the end of my research, I realized that I don't need to elongate my, my vagina lips in order for me to be part of this tribe. Yeah, so it's more of an inner feeling. It's an inner feeling. And you getting familiar with the culture and, and yeah. immersing yourself in it. Yeah. Did, did you, I mean, did, it seems like such a conflict that in America we often think about the opposite. Like we talk about labiaplasty and we talk oh, yeah. about, you know, that... It, is I mean, it just seems like such a strange mental conflict that we we've two opposite visions of what Beauty. right and yeah. yeah well the americans sometimes will get their get an operation on their vaginas that has nothing to do with the pleasure but it can negatively affect your pleasure to so that they have less of an external vagina so it's just like getting your lips like basically cut almost so that so that it looks so like a it looks like clean yeah. yeah which is silly mm-hmm. um and then in in your country uh, it seems like they're doing that but not for aesthetic purposes it's more of like a i don't know like um like I mean, you're getting knighted by I mean, a is woman it something that men prefer that that men talk about as um through my research i had the opportunity to speak with husbands of survivors of female genital mutilation and i just want to say i mean survivors as the victims but okay i was gonna say do people die during the process no, no, no. okay well yes they do but in when i'm talking i'm just saying in terms of the words that i'm using okay um survivors i mean victims of this practice Got it. so when i was speaking to the husbands um they are well aware of the effects that FGM has on their wives, especially in terms of their own pleasure. The woman is not as lubricated as a woman who isn't cut is, and they are unable to enjoy sexual pleasure, and that therefore it causes issues in the marriage. But then they still um, pertain, abide by the culture in you know, allowing women to have... FGM happened to them. So you can't, so you have to, culturally, it's better to get it done before you get married. You should get it, should, in quotes, get it done before you're married. Yeah. So presumably, too, should, do they encourage people to wait to have sex until they're married? Um, I feel that sex is still something that you have to do after marriage. Okay. Yeah. But do do they, in the, in your country, like, do they... Do they do that too? I mean, is it traditional for most of women to wait to have sex until marriage? Um, it's it's traditional to wait, but okay, no, but people tw- do whatever they yeah. want, right? Yeah. Um, but in terms of cutting, um, before long long ago, um, it would be a, a rite of passage for a girl into womanhood. But um, during modern times, some women do get cut after being married due to like oh. the different, um, you know, people, um. When a woman is cut, she gains a higher stance in society in this area. And so, like, if she's having issues with being, like, bullied or the mother-in-law is not being nice to her and everything, these pressures may encourage her to go get cut. So people, 
respect you more. Yes. So it's the same thing as like if you're marrying a, a Jewish guy and then you convert to Judaism, kind of the mother-in-law will like you more. Oh, okay. Similar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, no, there's no cutting in that. Just going na- naked in a big pool of water Ooh. and banging through a sheet. It doesn't. Right? It's not as fun. <laughs> That's a different kind of Judaism. <laughs> there's lots of different ones. So a lot of times, though, it seems like these married couples don't even get an opportunity at a good sex life. And that's very unfortunate. Oh, man. Do the guys get anything done to them? Um, the guys, they do have um, male circumcision, but it's not the same. Yeah. Um, do they get that done as kids? Um, like it could be any time. Oh. Because they, um, nowadays they say that uh, um, it's better for a man to be cut in order to stop like spread of um, viruses such as HIV AIDS. And so, yeah. Is that... Is that true? true? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I've right. never heard. I don't. I, 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 I sat there. My gut is that that's like, not right. I don't think that's right, but that's what they're saying these days. Now, a lot um, of these pra- these practices uh, of the mutilation are done by, I know some are done by doctors, but some, it seems, are done by just members of the tribe yes. who are have no medical background. Exactly, and that is a horrid right. yeah, issue. And that's what we have to think when we're thinking about these different types of FGM. Um, a woman who comes to cut, she's, she's usually, the spirits tell her that she has this gift of cutting. Maybe her grandmother was cut was a cutter and then the, her great-grandmother was a cutter, so therefore the spirits come and tell her. And so she has no medical background. And so who knows how much skin she's taking off. So we're here <laughs> sat down saying, oh, it's type 1 or type 2. But in, in reality, we actually have no idea what is cut. And what's the reason for the four different types of female genital mutilation? Is there any, like, history or what's the... How did they come up with those four different types? Um, well, I, I, at this moment, I'm unsure about how they came up with it, but I know that there's different types due to the different um, countries that um, that kind of uh, do this practice. So in Uganda, it's type 1 and type 2, but in Somalia, they, it could be type 3 or type 4. So just kind of variations. It varies yeah. from different how, countries. How and, common is this? How many people are we... Okay, so in the continent of Africa, there's 28 countries that still practice female genital mutilation. Um, There are also countries in Asia and in the Middle East. Um, So 140 million women um, Mm. in 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 regards to the World Health Organization's fact sheets on FGM have been um, mutilated. And in Africa, it's 2 million women, girls each year that deal with this damn yeah do you i mean i I think the question that comes to mind Mm -hmm. is just why is are there there recurring themes of of why would you do this you know religion i mean you said that they they do it spiritually but but are there practical societal reasons because it's completely different i mean in the different types it's sex any sex would be painful exactly But um, there are different, there are other reasons as to why this happens. It's not solely because of rite of passage. There is also economic wealth in this, um, in, on both ends, in terms of the cutter as well as the candidate for cutting. So now the cutter, um, they receive a lot of money, they receive a lot of cattle, they receive um, beer or any anything. So, I mean, if I was in Africa, I'd be like, someone told me to be a cutter. Someone came to me in 
my sleep to be a cutter. Not, not general. Okay. Let's not generalize as well. Oh, okay. In this region, in eastern Uganda, um, in this ethnic group, <laughs> let's be specific. I'm yeah. just so you can get you, so you can get these things from yes, doing. Yes, um, spirit um, spirituality is a very sacred thing, and so. Um, we we listen well they listen to the ancestors and you know dreams and all of this and yes um a woman could wake up and say yes the spirits have told me that i should become a cutter and so be it so um the cutters have a lot of economic benefits from this procedure as well as the candidates um as i said it's a ceremony and people are just handing you money handing you all of these things and so if a in the area where maybe there's a lack of um, proper income, sometimes people could be driven to, you know, do this practice in order to gain um, some type of wealth. And um, I would like to say also that there is a anti-FGM law. It's um, it happened in 2010. And so my thesis actually was um, trying to understand why there was like a lack of programs for the survivors of FGM and like how the law has affected the women who have had FGM. Is this law in U- for Uganda? Yes, it is for Uganda. And there oh. there has also been a law passed in Gambia. And quite recently, there was a law passed in Nigeria. Oh, so for, the government's actively trying to stop yes, this. So it's not like this is, it's a running rampant and there's no one trying to stop it. Yes. But it's still happening. But it is still happening. Wow. And so through my research, um, even though we do have our... The, the law it happened in 2010. Um, this has caused this practice to go underground. So people are doing it in, in secret. And one, oh. the worst thing about mm-hmm. this is that the women who are victims of this, they are unable to, you know, go freely to the doctor and possibly seek uh, medical help because the law, it um, criminalizes the people who uh, are part of the pro- process, Jeez. that criminalizes the cutters, and it also criminalizes the women who's gone through the practice. So it's super and, similar to abortion here. Exactly, yeah. true. And I find it really counterintuitive to be imprisoning a woman who's actually gone through it. And that was one of the major questions I had through my research. I was constantly asking, what what is the purpose yeah. of throwing a woman who's gone through this practice in jail? And they're like, well, it's it's an example. It sets an example to the po- population that oh, if you do it, then you are go- you're going to go to jail. It's a very stern and a it's a punishing law. And through my research, I tried to understand like why is the law? It needs to be punishing, obviously, but why isn't it um, having clauses to help these women as well? Like yeah. you, you have the opportunity to write whatever you want, I guess, in the law. And so, why can't we have like um, support groups or something out there for these women? And so there's, so that means that their spiritual beliefs really are hold stronger than all of the potential consequences if people, modern day women in Uganda, still want to get this done. But but is it? I mean. What's the common age for the different types usually? Different types of the different types of mutilation. I mean, is is it? Are they like seven, thirteen? All right. So in uh, Uganda, the in the eastern region, among this abay, there's only type one and type two that happen, and so kids are cut usually between the ages of ten to fifteen, so preteen age. Yeah. So they're not usually making a. Tr- are, are they aware it's, no, of what it's they're not doing? A is it something that they want to do, or is it is it something that their parents? Well, 
imagine if you were out there and you know you have like older sisters or older friends that are like dressing up and like having a party and like dancing and everything's going great and they're getting ready to go and do this really cool ceremony that's going to make them into a woman mm-hmm. like in, yeah, in your you? yeah in a young state you'll be like yeah I'm about to go do it like but you yeah. don't really know like what's actually going to happen to you you don't know the the negative effects the consequences that you will be um dealing with but then nowadays in um in modern society women are going to going to get this procedure done um after marriage and so hmm. it's it's quite it's quite interesting it varies it's a very but do varying do, do the women that have it done very young mm. feel resentful because they they it they don't get that they, time they don't with, get that sexual <laughs> satisfaction they don't get that you know they kind of I mean, do they do, do they have no? Is sex still pleasurable? And if it's not, do they wind up? I, I would be so upset. Yeah, well, I if, wonder if I, as an adult. But like, you just and, you never know something that you. I was gonna say, you, how, you yeah, don't know what they're missing. You don't know how good an orgasm feels if you've never had one. Exactly. Because I know my uh, my coworker is actually from Tanzania, and she has a friend in Connecticut who is a survivor of genital mutilation, mm-hmm. and she's married, and she's like, I could have sex for like eight hours, and like I can go all night Thank because not that it's painful. She just basically doesn't feel anything. It's yeah. kind of like you know, oh, putting like a key in a hole or something. Like it yeah. just you can keep doing it without really any so that's no it seems like even you are a bit torn about it because before when we were talking you were like you know keep in mind this is a tradition and this is very spiritual but yet then you still refer to these people as victims and survivors so it's like what's your how do you stand on it after all your your research after all my research um i firmly believe that it is it is not a beneficial practice. It has no health benefits in either way. More so, a woman's pleasure is taken away. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 unfortunate that a person, a woman, is able to grow up not knowing, as you said, what an orgasm feels and not having that um, liberation and, and all of that. And But in order to change this or, or in order to fix, not fix the problem, but stop this from happening, we have to be mindful of the type of um, culture that is there. You see, yeah, so you still have to respect or, their culture to get yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, you have to respect the culture, but work with what you have in order to change it as well. I think it's more and about so, educating. Would you say? As, yeah, educating. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. But using the language that they use and. Yeah. Right, because you don't want to talk down to people. These are this is things that have been going on for a exactly. long time. You don't want to just like bust in and be like, "Yo, this is stupid, exactly. and you're dumb, and this isn't progressive, and, and we're going to change everything." Yeah, and that's very that's not the way to go about it. And mm-hmm. with all these, with the law and everything, I feel that that's how it's it's going about the situation. The law is fantastic. It's a great stepping stone. It has allowed for different sensitization programs. These are programs to educate the population to stop FGM. They've worked with churches, you know, they work oh, with God. the elders in the in the community to stop it. And this is great. However, I feel that we we need to start working on the local level and mm. speak the language that um, the people in the local community speak. So are you saying like these lo- these laws were created by people who are just like of a different social and economic status so they don't they're not really like living the life that these people in these tribes so it's it's kind of like they're creating a law for a life they know nothing about or because 
there are laws created by people in Uganda, yeah. correct? Yes. Okay, so it's not like, you know, it's not like no, no, no. so much white people coming in. No, right, no. I'm like, because I'm just like, so it's the same. It's the same, of course, the same people. Right. However, it's like the different, there's uh, urban areas and there are rural areas. And right. Through my research, that these are the two different areas that I was studying. In the urban areas, people are more respective to the law because, yes, they're educated. Mm-hmm. Yes, they understand, like, you have to abide by the law. The law is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. They understand the health issues and everything. However, um, when I went to the rural areas, all of these things were not they're not concrete they're like oh you know they're just saying these things but it it doesn't resonate as much in the rural areas that it does in the urban areas literacy can play a part Mm. but also i mean the different languages too would you say um that's true as well the law is not um formally written in their the kupsebe which is their traditional language however there are documents that are um translated into their okay. language however some some people may not be able to read or something Jesus. So. yeah i mean these problems mirror problems that are happening all over the all world over the it's world, just you yes. know educated more more educated wealthier people creating laws that are really hurting people at the bottom exactly i mean this is yeah this is just everywhere now and for what was i gonna say um do you think the people these ugandan laws were made because uh it was a good question and i totally <laughs> forgot it. and also is ugandan that is that the proper is that the proper way That's to use country. that yeah ugandan like a ugandan, ugandan law ugandan, yeah. i'm like is it ugandanian no <laughs> i just yeah, i just guessed ugandan and I, yeah exactly uh no do you think what was the reason for them creating these laws like do you think it was purely because for of health for health reasons was it for uh, economic reasons and, and i'm also curious how does it's the government how does christianity and kind of tribal beliefs balance out in uganda i mean is there crossover or just just religion in general i mean are there different religions how does that break down what does it look like these are awesome questions and i i'm going to answer hers first and then we'll come to yours (laughs) so your question was i forgot no, there, uh, it was, where were they, what was the reason for them creating this law? Was yeah. it, okay. were they truly worried about the women's health? Was it, uh, usually, you know, that's like a money thing when it's a law, a lot of times. But I just right. was curious if you had any background on that. All right. So in the constitution in Uganda, mm-hmm. um, it does say that uh, citizens are allowed to practice their own forms of traditional um, cultural practices. However, there is a clause there that says, no, you cannot practice a traditional cultural practice if it harms someone. And so mm-hmm. in this case, it does. It harms. It's very detrimental to a woman's health. Is that only physical or can that include mental harm? I don't know. Okay. That's a great question. I would I'm just think very mental. I mean, you, I will, you think you're a woman now because you're having this procedure yeah. done, but then, I mean, I don't know. But even in a never... larger scale, like, does it pertain to mental health as well? Well, just so often psychological needs well, are often, overlooked. And, and yeah. also, what does mental health look like? I mean, the, okay. the play, when I went to Uganda, I was in northern That's Uganda. And yeah. so it, it just, what does mental health even look like in a village do they pay something they think about or are they just thinking about survival Mm. health mental health um in the ugandan context we there are there is a mental health hospital 
but um, we do not have the proper resources, I feel, yet, or the proper understanding as a country as to how um, detrimental or how yeah, mental health is to human beings. And so um, mental health is also seen, could be seen as having evil spirits and um, people mm-hmm. focus more on that than on the fact that there is actually a chemical It'd imbalance. Schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so um, this whole um, idea of spirits and like bad omens and bad juju, it's a big thing in society and it kind of overlooks the mm. real issue but sometimes to someone who like the everyone in the tribe thinks they have bad spirits like they might just be a schizophrenic and exactly. that's just like a different way of talking it, about it yes but it's it's not the same way as here like when someone's schizophrenic you just maybe give them therapy yeah right medication pill, or you know, yeah. everything's gonna be fine but there it's like oh no you know this person has evil spirits let's go pray for them and um i feel that's something we still as a country i hope are going to continue working on and gaining more um, sensitization and all of that and learning more about mental health so we can deal with it in a, in a proper way. Going back to the genital mutilation topic, mm-hmm. I wanted you to talk about really quick that one hospital for the, the transgender woman. Oh, right? There's that. I, um, that I, was such a beautiful know, story. And I don't, I don't know a lot of information. It was just one instance. So did you never got to in, speak with her? I, I did get to speak with okay. her, but it was just like on the off chance. But, uh-huh. but yeah, there, there was, what's a, her deal. There was, um, a transgender woman from Uganda. Yes. Okay. Transgender man. I think. Was she, Born, born a man or born a woman? She was born a woman. Oh, okay. And so then trans, transitioned to a man. So transgender man. Okay. okay. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It can be confusing <laughs> you have to, leave now, to the yeah, most open-minded of people. I, I understand. I'm very sorry and I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, just we are naming that. the right countries in your no, continent. but like, you know, so people are listening and I don't want anyone no, to feel uncomfortable. No, I want I, everyone to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not nice, but it's important. But I think that's what's so interesting. You learn more from being uncomfortable. Not, yeah. And also just, I mean, keeping up with the pronouns, like the respect is there, but sometimes I can't, like, I'll, I'll accidentally say the wrong pronoun and I'm not, I don't mean anything against it. Just work with me. I'm trying to learn. Yeah, yeah. plug to watch Patton Oswalt's new, new special. special. Yeah. Okay. Oh, what's that? Oh, it's like he's just a comedian and he talks a lot about that in it and it's fabulous. Okay, yeah, he's a great. great bit on on pronouns. Um okay. and so does Bonnie McFarlane. Um okay, but anyway, go this right. transgender, transgender man. Transgender man. Um I met her at a party and um oh, and, where? Um in in Kampala. Yeah. Um it was Hell a group yeah. of people that like worked at like UN women and they were like having a bar crawl and so I just went. Because <laughs> um, you gotta have fun every once in a while, yeah, right? <laughs> and so got out of the house that day. And um, yeah, I just spoke to her and she was telling me that her and like a group of other him, he and a group of other. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, like, so I was like, currently, okay. So him, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> other, it's hard for all of um, us. Friends of theirs um, were going to create like an organization for mm-hmm. people to be more understanding about um, who they are and what they represent. And um, it, I just found it very fascinating because in Uganda, we have very strong laws on um, um, gay rights and all of that. Well, there's no gay rights in Uganda. Yeah. And it's, it's very unfortunate. And it's also another thing that we have to work on as a country. It's, it's illegal to be gay. It is illegal. Gay, right? Do you go to jail for life? 
if you're caught. I don't know about the sentencing, but... um, That's so fucking horrible. And then the roots of that. If a person isn't able to live freely in their own country, that's jail enough, I feel. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that was very wise. That was wise. At least that was only one wise thing I said, guys. (laughs) You said lots of wise things. (laughs) Gotta put that in there. Now, what's it like to be a a, a transgender man in Uganda? Like, I mean, like, is it... I mean, is there one? And we all know him. And, like, everyone knows in Uganda, if they heard heard this podcast you were talking about, is this... we're not I don't think so. No, 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 no. No, I'm saying, but literally, like, is it so not common yeah. that if we are talking about this, everyone's like, oh, I know that guy. It's like Bob. <laughs> oh, Dave. I mean, that's, Dave. that's ballsy as fuck. Yeah, but um, it's still a very sensitive topic. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I, if, if homosexuality yeah. is illegal, I cannot imagine the brutality that's brought against trans people. That's fucking horrible. But this, this trans man that you met, he operates... Does he is he a doctor no, or he works no, that's, for a... that's something else that oh, okay. was another part of our conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah, but um there is um a trans wo- woman currently a woman married to a woman. woman. Yeah, okay, okay. So trans woman. I'm sorry. Um trans <laughs> woman, a mm-hmm. lovely woman. Um she um is doing uh, clitoral repairs and so I'm currently trying to figure out how to um um, be in talks with her to possibly create a pleasure hospital or a clitoral repair hospital in in Uganda. Or just provide that service, maybe by teaching gynecologists in the country how to mm, do yeah. it. Um, the procedure only takes about, I guess, two weeks for a skilled gynecologist to learn. Do you get your clip back what happens um so the beautiful thing about the clitoris guys is yeah. that it's a lot more than we play with did you know that no yeah, it's well, how deep, so it's deeper in your body yeah it's deeper mm. in your body anyone who's listening to this right now i just want to have a plug for clitorises like go i don't think you're gonna need to plug clitorises on this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah. This> episode <laughs> is brought to you by clitoris google it it's amazing um it's a larger organ and it um well, I, I don't have a diagram here, but um, she's pointing down towards her vagina. Yes. Um, so, um, what we play with and enjoy all the time is the gland, and so it's just a little part of the clitoris. So, what they can do is they can pull um, the nerves within us mm-hmm. out and create another another. Oh, it's like uh, when you lose your string in your hoodie. This yeah, is great. Exactly. And oh my just, god! I was gonna say like a, get a starfish. Fucking amazing. You just yeah. So you just pull it back out a little more. Yeah, it's more complicated I'm than sure that. Sure, it's more complicated <laughs> than that. Yeah. Don't start pulling your clits out, guys. Yeah. There's like other oh things, but thank God there's something that can yeah, be done to re to give women back pleasure. Pleasure, yeah, and it's it's a fascinating thing, and I was so happy when I found it, and I was like, yeah, yeah this is what I'm gonna do in my life. Yes, guys, pull the clits back. Just like throw clitorises out. To me. Yeah, <laughs> we're having. The, yeah, you get a clit, <laughs> and you get a clit. So the Oprah of clits. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. Now, are women, women who don't, like, so it seems like this, the female genital, genital mutilation process is very important in some of these tribes. So is there, are women stigmatized who don't get it done? Like, oh, you are not a woman. You did not, Pasco did not collect Pasco $200. get $200. Yeah. That's funny. Um, uh, it depends on where this woman is in this society. So, um, if she's in the urban area where women are more educated, women can go and get um, schooling and know that 
FGM is detrimental to a woman's health, then they, they're they not going to be seen as like a girl or anything. But if she's in a area, maybe in the rural area where there is no literacy and um, cultural traditions are law there, then she will be seen as a girl and she will not be able to live efficiently, an efficient life there. Um, and she will be ridiculed by um, the people around her. Will the wow. guys not want to have sex with her? Um, yeah, she will be seen as a, a child. She will oh. not be a woman. And um, there's various things a woman can do in, in the rural areas, such as like collect water and maybe get the materials needed to build homes. And I know this may seem very like not much to us, but in this rural communities, it's something that is is major. But um, well, so she would be dependent on other people to get water. Yes, or okay, so that's huge. Or she will just be the last person to go get because water. she still has her clit. Because she still has her clit. And, oh damn! But times are changing, and I have hope that hopefully someone out there like myself is going to be able to go to um, these rural areas and educate people in. The fact that this is not a great um, cultural tradition. You were talking to me about how you kind of wanted to start a non-for-profit organization to help. Because after we had that initial conversation, um, you, me, and Steven, I was like, how can I help? Like, can I donate money directly to somewhere or what? So you're thinking of starting a non-profit for women in Uganda or African countries that still practice female genital mutilation? Yes. Um, so I'm graduating university on Thursday. Congrats. Yeah. So you'll be graduated by the time this comes out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, congrats to me. Yay, Yay. congratulations. You did it. <laughs> Woo! Finally. Um, so um, I would like to take like possibly six months out to start um, creating the foundations to my organization. Um, I'm still trying to figure out if I want to um, have it registered here or in Uganda. Mm-hmm. But I will keep you guys posted. Yeah. If anybody cares or wants to talk <laughs> I was gonna about say, clitorises. Is there something you don't know to about this, about how to start the organization? Or is there any obstacles you're currently facing? Because if anybody out there listening works for non-for-profit, and I know they do because they've emailed us before oh, really? and maybe they have some knowledge they want to drop um they can is there anything uh, steps in the process that you're i mean i know nothing so i don't know where where you're yeah. at but i'm sure you know a lot more than me well the beauty of this is i have all the information about what i want to do yeah because i've wrote in this the- written this thesis over and over again for like the past few months but in terms of creating the organization myself i haven't really had the time to sit down and think right. about those processes but i mean anyone who can help in terms of mentorship or yeah. in terms of just just some type of guidance we'll put you in touch my my good friend started marriage equality usa we'll put you i know lots of people and grant who was on this episode also is a big not-for-profit person so we'll put you in contact with lots of people it's not it's more like lgbtqia stuff but i think it's in the same family for sure and also like if i when i go back to uganda and i i find that person that i talk to Mm -hmm. that would be a nice person for them to yeah speak to as well absolutely yeah, and if anyone has any information to help please uh email in at sorry about last night show at gmail.com we'll forward that to you thank yeah. you mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on thank and, you and guys congratulations oh. for on graduating college thank That's you such so a much. huge exciting step in your life thank you you're such a well-rounded young woman <laughs> i'm like so proud mess. to know you no like you're not don't hot. even know but you that's feel normal like a hot mess. <laughs> you ain't a hot mess 
You're 23. Honestly. If you didn't, something would be wrong. If you thought you had, you're, all you're managing to meet really interesting people at parties, if nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. And you speak four languages. I mean, <laughs> um, is there anything you want to ask? I am a little curious. Mm. I, I know you want to wrap up, but um, what does what does a sexual conversation look like in Uganda? What does the the concept of sex education? How do people learn about sex? How do people think about protected sex? Um, um, I feel that's a great um question first of all i want to like can i throw questions out to yeah our sure. audience yeah. like if anyone knows like an answer to that, that <laughs> would be well, we have, but like um we because have emails from men and women of, of that yeah. region and because i i grew up um here and also in all these other countries so i don't know firsthand the how people you know perceive sex and learn about sex but sexual from from my research sexual education is it's very very low um and it's more towards um abstinence and like don't touch a boy until you're married and that's not sexual education and that's one thing as a country i feel that we need to learn about sexual education telling people to not touch people or um the you know hiv aids and wearing condoms and that is needed but i feel people need to start learning about their anatomy Mm. and like know the different parts of it and men and women girls and boys should equally know about that and yes um abstinence could be great for some people and using condoms is fantastic but we need to start learning doing other things as well yeah and then develop a sense of like a respect for sexuality and your own sexuality yes, and the sexuality but, but I think of others. I'm curious even more just in your conversation with friends when mm. you're when you're in Uganda yeah. you know do they because you're very worldly and progressive yeah. sexually I mean just from our conversations we kind of know where you're at <laughs> and that's where the podcast is at but when you say things like that in Uganda do people look at you side I mean I I've really been kind of mind blown that the people reach out to us from Africa and that they yeah. find the podcast in Africa and they yeah. have all these I find that beautiful they, as hell yeah like, yeah, it's really cool. Are there threesomes in Uganda? I'm pretty sure they are, and they're banging. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I have, like, sex clubs and stuff? Hell yeah. No, I don't know. You don't, I don't know. know? But, like, I'm pretty sure they're out there. It's <laughs> just that, like, we're very quiet about it. Yeah. Like, there's no, haven't been outlets yet that allow us to express these things. But I'm so happy that there are girls or boys out there that are writing emails to you. Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we're all going through it. We're all humans. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all love sex. And it's just you can't keep ways any of, human oppressed, hmm. big or small. Like, yeah. with, when it comes to their sexuality, their sexual preferences, anything. What you can and cannot do as a career. It's like anytime the human soul is hindered Christ, yeah. in any way, it's going to manifest and explode eventually. Exactly. It's like yeah. alcohol. We'll always find a way to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, most of the people like that I hang out with in Uganda, like my friends, they're, they've like all studied abroad as well. And so they have a more Western, quote unquote, approach to sexuality and all of that. So cool. It's not much difference. But yeah, thank you so much, you guys. And thank you. I have no idea what I've said for the past 30 minutes. <laughs> well, past hour. I blacked on. Do you want people to be able to hour. contact you if they want to follow up with anything? Or Definitely, yes. Where can um, we do that? Please. Uh, we could we could get emails and forward them to you or if you want to give out info. Like, yeah, you, you could find me on Facebook. Is that a thing? Or yeah. <laughs> Facebook <laughs> is a thing. Yeah. Um, Luan Tale Calamera. And I guess like when you click 
listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, you mm-hmm. can see my name. Will my name be there? Yeah. Can you yeah. spell your name? Okay. L-W-A-N <laughs> as in Nancy, T-A-L-E. And my last name is Calamera, K-A-L-E-M-E-R-A. Calamera, not Calamari. Just making sure. Um, white people out there. <laughs> Christina. Um, well, thank you so much for your time and for your information and all the great work you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, this has been Guys We Fuck the Anti-Slut Shaming Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.